Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. I hope that we, I say we, I'm including myself, can see ourselves somewhere in this story today. Because it's not a a make-believe thing. It is a real, it is a true, it is a genuine story that happened to this blind man. The Bible says, and he cometh to Basidia, meaning Jesus, (coughs) passed through this city. And they, I'm not sure if, if this is the disciple boys or what. I've read back and read forward, but it appears like it must have been the disciples as they passed through the town of Basidia, and they're following him. And the Bible says, And they bring a blind man unto him, and they besought, they begged, they asked Jesus to touch him. And he, that is Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught or anything. And he looked up, and this is what he said. I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he, that is the blind man, was restored and saw every man clearly. And Jesus sent him away to his house, saying, Do not go into the town, nor tell, any, tell it to any person in the town. Father, you know what needs to be gleaned out of this portion of your word today. And Lord, I pray that you speak to my heart. Lord, I've I've read this and I've read this, and I, I, I think I can see where I am, but I pray that you would prick my heart this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would be in every pew. I pray for every person that's in this room today that they would see themselves somewhere in this portion of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me, you may be seated. To be born blind would have to be bad. Our closest blind friend is Robbie Cox. Robbie used to come here with his granddaddy. Of course, his granddaddy's gone now. And Robbie lives in his own little world. And what I understand, Robbie, he has the Good News Club, which we involve him in. And he also attends the Ark there in Seneca. Outside of that, Robbie spends most of his time during the day in his room. Unless someone volunteers to go by and pick him up and carry him places. And we try to do that. The Good News Club workers have been so precious uh, to Robbie You say, what can a blind person do? Hey, he's an individual. He's sitting there. And he's doing more than just taking up space. He does his best to do motions. And he has no idea what the motions are. 
He does his best to sing, and he can't see the words. I took him to ride one time on my motorcycle. He came back. He says, if I could see, I'd have me one of these. If I could see. And I prayed, Lord, is there any way you could give him his sight? He feels of things. It's amazing. It is amazing. He gets in the truck with me. I have satellite radio. And he'll come across the dash feeling. Now, this, this is amazing. He comes across the dash feeling. And he finds the, the uh, control button. And he'll start turning it. And he'll stop. He said, that's it. And all, automatically, he will tell you who is singing and what the title of the song is. It'd be bad to be born blind. What if you were born seeing like we can in here and then lose your eyesight? Mac and Sandra know our new Miss Noreen Ritchie who could sing beautifully, teach Sunday school, work with WMU, do all manner of church work and went blind. She was so determined to keep her work up, she gave up the choir. But her Sunday school class, she would order cassette tapes and listen to them all week and memorize the Sunday school lesson because she didn't want to quit. They put a rope up from her back door to the mailbox so she'd get to hold to the rope and out to the mailbox she'd go. She had a sister, but she treated her sister like a little girl, so she would go get the mail by following that rope. But I think it would have to be terrible to lose our eyesight. Now some of us, I said us, we're dealing with cataracts. That means if we don't get something done when the time comes, we will slowly, progressively, right along, we will go blind in that eye. Many of you know I had a hole in my retina. I had that surgery. Then I had cataract surgery. But still, that eye, the right eye, he said, will never, ever be any better. When I look across the top of that molding, about halfway down there, it does just like that. I think sometimes, man, there's something wrong with that. And then I bat the eye, and the other one says, no, you, it's your eye. It'll never get any better. So when you look at words, even a sentence, you got that wave right in the middle. But I'm thankful that I can see as well as I can. Now, cataracts are over here in the other one, but they're not ready. But today, this story is not about blind Bartimaeus, okay? This is about a man who could see and lost his eyesight, either through an accident or through disease. You know, many of us, we have different eyeball disease. And if we had time this morning, you could stand up and say, here's what I have. Here's what I'm doing. Well, here's a man who could see and has gone blind. So what is he supposed to do? Well, when, when I look at this um, scripture, I, I feel like the disciples, Jesus, and the man that was blind is involved here. So when I think of this second chance sight, first of all, I think about the care of Jesus for this man. 
Now, I, I ask you, is there anybody that you care for that may have a physical uh, situation, a, a physical problem? Is there anybody? It, you need to think about their physical problem. What, what is that problem? Well, my knee still hurts. It's arthritis. But I can go up and down steps now and not worry about it jumping out of place, although it may happen any time. That's okay. After the surgery and after I got pretty well over it and went through my therapy and what have you, I still didn't trust the knee. I would ease along. And then one day, I'm just walking. I come to steps. I went right up. I'm just like nothing. I got I thought, good night. Look what I just done. But still, I sometimes I'm cautious. Hey, if there's a handrail, give it to me. I want a handrail so I can put my hand on it so it can give me strength. But Jesus is care for this man. Look, look what it says there. I mean, it's very, uh, very open. And he come at the Basidia, and they bring a blind man to him. He besought to touch it. They beg him, Lord, if you just touch him, he could, he could. They believed in the Lord, you see. You know, a lot of people, they don't believe in the Lord. Well, listen, if you don't believe in the Lord, nothing's going to happen to you except going to hell. That's the bottom line. Hello? I mean, the Bible talks about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved by the glory of God and by his blood. But if you believe, you see a lot of people that are lost don't understand. Well, yeah, I believe, but. They always put that but in there. Well, why, why would you want to put that in there? Yes, I believe, but I want to know more. Or I'm not going to go any further. Or, you know, people, a lot of people have their different reasons why they don't do what the Lord asks them to do. So the Bible says that Jesus, first thing I notice about his care, he says he took the blind man by the hand. By the hand. He didn't put his hand on his shoulder. He said he took him by the hand. When I think of this blind man and Jesus reaching out and taking him by the hand, I think how helpless this man was. When I think of the hand, I think of how helpless this man was. He was hopeless. I mean, can you imagine being able to do everything and knowing where everything is and then go blind? Sometime in our house, I will just, I'll just close my eyes and try to, feel my way around. Now, I can do pretty good. I, I know where everything is. I know where every door is. I know where every step is. And I can go up and down and in and out. But if somebody puts something in the wrong place, hey, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall. I'm going to trip up. Now, Jesus, the Bible says he took the man by the hand. Why? Because the man was hopeless. Because the man was helpless. But also, he was alone. The man was alone in his mind. Again, I'm, I'm thinking of, of Brother Robbie. And by the way, Robbie's been saved. He's been baptized. And he and I talk about it. I said, Robbie, can you imagine the first person you're going to see is Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be? Hey, he won't have to be a feeling. He'll see him just as he is. Eyeball to eyeball. Well, the man was, was alone, okay? He was alone inside. I mean, having been able to see and then can't see, he was helpless. He was hopeless. He was alone. But I tell you something else about him. Jesus reaching out to his hand. 
he was needful. The man needed, he needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. He needed his eyesight. Can you imagine? He'd probably making a living for his family. Had to stop. He was needful. And the man was desperate. When Jesus took him by the hand, picture this now. Jesus took him by the hand. He was blind. He could not see. He could only feel. What was it like to feel of the hand of Jesus as he took him by the hand? And what the Bible says, he, he took the man uh, by the hand, the blind man by the hand. The second thing we notice there is the care for Jesus. The Bible says he led he didn't force, he didn't push, he led the man out of the town. Why did he take him out of the town? Well, the things that I learned about this portion of God's word because the town of Basidia was a town of unbelief. Jesus passed through there and he probably tried to speak to a few and they wouldn't have anything to do with him. I see people like that today you try to talk to about being saved. They won't have anything to do with you. They'll change the subject. You know why they won't have anything to do with you? You know why they change the subject? Because the devil <clears throat> has got a set of cataracts on both eyes. And they can't see. They can't see. The city was a wicked, rebellious city. Um... According to scripture, they wouldn't have another chance. It was over with. I think of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think of those places where Jesus went and, and Jesus tried to do good, and they wouldn't let him. Just wouldn't let him. You know what that says today? The Bible says if you go to somebody to visit them in a loving way or to talk to a lost person and they won't have anything to do with you. The Bible says that we're to shake the dirt off of our feet and don't go back. But Jesus cared for the man. He took him by the hand. He led him out of the city because he didn't even want that city to see this miracle. It, that's amazing in itself to me. Um, the Bible says that the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. You may be here this morning, seated in this pew this morning, and have never accepted Christ as your Savior. Listen. And the Spirit might be speaking to you. Listen to what the preacher's saying. The Spirit might be saying, listen, look at the Word. Look at what the Word says. And if you're lost, the Spirit might be saying, today is the day. You need to move today. Listen, tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday is gone. I only have today to live for the Lord. It'll not always strive with us. And they would not have another change. We may not always feel the presence of the Lord. We may become to the point that we don't feel God anymore. We don't feel God anymore. He just slowly withdrew himself. You know those people in Basidia? As they probably saw Jesus and the disciples going out and carrying this blind man out, that some of them probably say, I'm glad he's gone. He didn't do a thing but come here and disrupt our town, disrupt our city, and disrupt my life. I'm glad. He's gone. Secondly, we're talking about a second change of sight. Not only the care that Jesus gave the man, but secondly, we see the character of this cure. Now, verse uh, 22, the second part of the Bible, uh, verse says, uh, i get my brain working here. 
And he cometh to Bithynia, and they bring a blind man and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. And when he had, what's your Bible say? Come on, speak up. Spit. I'll just say it this way. If you spit in my eye, you better be Jesus. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> you better be Jesus if you spit in my eye. What should I do? I'll turn the other eye. Jesus spit in his eye. That's the character of his cure here. He didn't have to. Hey, one blind man, the, the, the Bible records, I think it's seven blind people that he healed. One, he squatted down on the ground and spit on the ground and doodled around and made some mud and put it on the man's eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Salaam and you will see. Can you imagine, man, come on, lead me to the pool. I want to be able to see somebody lead me. This man had Jesus leading him. Got him outside the city. Probably looked him right square in the eye. And the Bible says he spit in his eyes. And he put his hands upon him. And he asked him if he saw anything. Now when I think of the character of this cure, Jesus spitting in the man's eye. In those days, it was believed that saliva had healing power in it. Well, when I think about that, I think about Lazarus laying at the gate of the rich man, and the Bible says, and the dogs came every day and licked his sores to heal it. I remember those of you that have, have dogs, hey, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about a dog I'm talking about a dog. Okay, there's a difference in a dog and a dog. A dog lives in the city. He lives in the house. And he's carted out with his little string. Go ahead and party. You think he understands that? Hey, have you ever seen a dog that didn't know what to do? Well, that's the way city dogs are. But this was dogs. I mean, I had dogs that got cut bad. And you could put patches on them, band-aids, wrap them up, and they would tear it off and lick that sore. Why? Because it had healing power in it. You know what I'm talking about. Now, those of you that have dogs, it's okay. Listen, I love dogs and I love dogs. And uh, this, uh, this man, uh, the Lord spit in his eye. And uh, they believed that saliva had healing power. But I want to share with you this. Not only did Jesus spit in his eye, but the first touch was Jesus put his hands on the man, the Bible says, and he said, do you see anything? And he said, I see men like trees walking. Now, what do you get out of that? I'll tell you what I get out of it, Okay. How did he know what a man looked like? How did he know what trees looked like? Because he could see at one time. And because of an accident or because of disease, he had lost his eyesight. And so he says, I see men like trees walking. And that's proof enough for me to tell you, hey, the man was made blind. He could see, he went blind, and now he can see again. Well, let's go to the third thing about this little miracle here. The completeness of the cure. Verse 25, it says, And after he put his hands upon him, his eyes, he made him look up. 
and was restored. The Bible says he saw every man clearly. That was the second touch. First touch is when he spit in his eye, put his hands on him. Hey, what do you see? I see men like trees. Put his hand on him again. He said, look up. So what do you see? Man, I can see clearly. I can see men as they are. I can see. I remember, uh, you know, immediately um, he could see clearly. You know, in our life, in our time today, the first touch is when we accept Jesus Christ. That's the first touch. You know what the second touch is? It's when we ask God, what do you want me to do? I want to know your will for my life so I can go do it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave me a second chance to surrender to him to preach. Folk, some of you have heard my testimony before, some of you haven't, and I'm not going to share it with you now. But there were two incidences before I surrendered to preach that I could have easily been killed. What happened to me on the first incident and the second incident, a lot of people never lived through it. But God was saying, I want you this bad. And if you won't surrender, I'm going to kill you and take you home. Now, you know, God, God is merciful, okay? God is a jealous God. God created every one of us in this room. He loves every one of us in this room. But he's jealous in the fact that some of you have never been saved. You're still following the devil. You're still living for the devil. And you know what? You're also living with a cheat and a liar. You know how to get rid of that? Simply, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon my sorry soul and save me. Hey, that's all it takes. It's not a big thing. It's not a complicated thing. But we as adults, we have taken a small thing, a small thing like spitting in the man's eye and want to fight Jesus instead of accepting him um, as our Savior. Well, the man see. He said, I can see clearly. Let me give you the last thing right quick. I see in this scripture, verse 26, the celebration of the cure. Look at 26. And he sent him away to his house, saying, don't you go down, don't you go back into that town. Don't even think about going into that town. Don't you tell anybody that's in that town what happened to you. Don't tell them. And don't go back in there. Well, what did he tell him to do first? Go to the house. Go to your house. All right, I want to talk to you men just a minute, okay? Just you men. Ladies, you can listen. What kind of household are you leading, men? What kind of household are you leading? I had the glorious privilege this week of going and meeting uh, at the local school for a pro-dad meeting because of my son in the ministry. And I am so proud of him and what he is doing in our local schools and having these meetings with pro-dads. You know what a pro-dad is? He is a professional dad. Guys, listen to me. What kind of daddy are you? What kind of husband are you? 
What kind of a granddaddy are you? You know, the saddest, one of the saddest feelings I can ever remember is to have a grandchild come up and say, Preacher, do you know where my granddaddy is? Knowing good and well, unless they changed in that last second that they went to hell, I couldn't tell them child that. Honey, I don't know where God, where your granddaddy is. Don't do your family that way. Preacher, do you know where my daddy is? No. Preacher, do you know which way my husband went? I don't know. No, I don't. Listen, the opportunity is here. Here's the blind man. Couldn't see. Spit in the eye. Can you see? I see a little bit. Well, hang on. Oh, I can see so good now because of the touch. Listen, God wants to touch every one of us in this room today. Whatever is the matter with you, whatever is the matter with me, he wants to heal us. And the greatest healing any of us can have is to have our soul healed, to be saved. Be saved by the blood of Jesus. Well, he told him to go home. Go to your house. When I think about that, I couldn't help but look at house and give you a, a word for every letter. That house became a house of healing. Hey, can you imagine when he got home, he opened the door and walked in, might have went over and picked up something, reached over here and got a glass, got him some water, and sat down in his recliner. God, what happened to you? You wouldn't believe it. I can see again. You're kidding. What color is that? What color is this? Hey, it was a house of healing. It was also a house of obedience. He probably said, okay, y'all, we've dilly-dally around long enough about church. We've fooled around long enough about church. I'm making my mind up today. I've been healed with Jesus. Me and my family are going to be in church. We're going to be obedient. I don't want my wife going by herself. I don't want my youngest, grandchildren going by herself. I'm going to be there because I want to be a pro-dad. I want to be an active dad. I want to be a dad that obeys the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not all a house of healing and a house of obedience, but let me tell you, he sent him home undisguised. He left out of there blind, couldn't see, came back undisguised. It was also a place of, of significance when he could tell the people, his family, Jesus did this. Honey, you wouldn't believe, he spit right in my eye. And immediately I began to see. It was a special time. And I'm satisfied it was a house of embracing. Can you imagine her hugging him? Can you imagine the children and the grandchildren that might run up and hug? My granddaddy can see again. You know, if you're lost today, you need Jesus to spit in your eye. Healing of the soul. And the only way it can happen is for you to say, hey, I, I don't know what to do. All I know is I'm lost. I've never been saved and I want to be saved. That's all I know. That's all you need to know. I don't want you seeking after signs because you may not get a sign. Just trust Jesus. Trust Jesus to meet our needs. Avoid false teaching. Listen, the world is full of junk. But I'm on, I go by the holy word of God. Until God says, hey, we're not going by that anymore. We're going by something else. 
Just let Jesus work in you in your life. His will. You know, that's the best place I've ever found is being in the will of God. The best place I've ever found to be in the will of God. Some of our people have lost their spiritual sight. They've left us. And what I understand, some of them, they aren't going anywhere. They just hop in here and hop in there. They've lost that spiritual sight. They once could see. I'm not saying they're lost. Don't get me wrong. Now, they're still saved if they ever were saved. But they've lost that spiritual sight of the Lord. They're not seeing clearly. So they got mad at the preacher. They got mad at the deacon's decision. They got mad at somebody and pulled out to go somewhere else. I had a a teacher, Kenneth Ridings, asked me one time where I was at. I told him I was at Earl's Grove. He said, how long you been there? I said, 10 years. He said, wow. He said, stay there. He said, you can't do any more than what you're doing somewhere else. So many preachers up and move. Hey, I got 48 sermons, okay? When I get through preaching 48 sermons, I'm gone. No, I better be working on something else. I don't know how many I got, okay? I just feel what I need to preach, I'm going to preach and allow God to speak to your hearts. Some of you, some of you may be um, in a situation this morning you wish you weren't in. You may have lost your spiritual sight. You may have lost your ego to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I ask you three things. Are you praying every day? I'm talking to Christians now. Are you praying every day? If not, you need to be. Are you reading God's Word every day? If not, you need to be. Are you trying to help somebody every day? If not, you need to. I just recently read a little story this weekend. The man was taking his little daughter to school. They were running a little late, and he says to her, Honey, would you like to go by McDonald's and get a biscuit? Oh, I sure would, Daddy. So they pulled up, and they ordered a biscuit. And as they went to pay... Uh, the man turned to his little daughter and said, you want to have some fun? She said, yes. So the man fist to pay, paid his. He said, this couple back here, this car, whatever they've ordered, how much is it? I want to pay it. And they paid theirs. Well, as they pulled off, he was looking in his mirror, and he was talking to his little girl. He said, they're fixing to try to pay. They're fixing to try to pay. And then he says, they're smiling all over and she said, oh, I'm so glad, Daddy. We could do something special for somebody. Listen, don't try it by yourself. Take your child with you. Listen, guys, listen. If one of you, listen, if any in here feel like you need to be at this altar this morning, I hope your spouse will come with you or your children with you or your grandchildren with you. You don't have to come up here by yourself. Listen, allow a se- the Lord to give you a second chance. You may have had plenty of chances to say, hey, my time's over. Let me tell you something. If God has spoken to you this morning in any kind of way, it's, time's not out yet. Time's not out. I beg you. I beg you. I plead with you. Please come. I promise to help you and not mistreat you, not to embarrass you in no way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do, Lord, but... I just turn it completely over to you, God. I pray for the Holy Spirit that work in our congregation. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts. We have people, Lord, in this room, very room, that need to move today. They need to move in a direction following you. 
They need to come forward. They need to be saved. They need to be baptized. They need to join. Lord, you know the needs in this room today. God, I pray that you'd touch hearts. And Lord, when my, my eye needs spitting in, you have my permission, if that's what it takes. In Jesus' name, amen.